Welcome to another edition of the Columbia University Sports Podcast, The Cusp Show, where we talk about the business of sports, media, technology, disruption, all different kinds of things. I'm Joe Favorito. We are back on campus at Columbia University. If you've been listening to some of our previous podcasts, uh, we were at Radio Row for three days with all different kinds of guests. One guest we did not get there, who's an alumnus of our program, we're getting back on campus, is Marcus Kuhn, former NFL player, NC State graduate, uh, Columbia graduate now, entrepreneur, and the voice, one of the co-voices of NFL Germany. Marcus, welcome back to The Cusp Show. Thanks for having me for the second time. Yeah, I appreciate it. So we had you on probably uh, in 2017 when you were just starting out here, uh, and you talked about a lot of initiatives. Um, I mentioned that you played football at NC State, but for those people who didn't listen to the original one, kind of give us the two-minute version of how you got here. So my, my, my two-minute rundown, um, I, in 2006, my dad and I, uh, kind of with a highlight DVD from my playing days in Germany, showed up at a bunch of colleges in the U.S. saying or claiming I could play Germany. Some schools actually believed me. One of them was NC State. They offered me a full scholarship to play football there. 2007 was my first year there. Um, was a business major with a concentration in entrepreneurship. Uh, my time there, played football. And then um, when I was done there in 2012, I was drafted by the Giants. Played from the Giants from 12 to 15. Had a quick coffee break in 2016 with the Patriots before I didn't make the team there. And then, yeah, applied to Columbia. And I was just finished December 2018. I finished my master's in sports management at Columbia. And then, like you said, when I had the first time at the podcast and now a little my career advanced a little bit, my life advanced after this. A lot of opportunities came from this as well. And yeah, now now I'm back. And you finished the program doing uh, an entrepreneurship class, correct? Yeah, so I was with one other faculty here. There was a, the option to do an independent study. With grandson. With grandson, mm-hmm. correct. And um, I mean, people who know football or think they know football, what I think one of the things that sometimes gets overlooked is how much time we're actually spent in the video room. And we spend two hours in the weight room every day, three, four hours on the practice field, but we spend twice as much actually in the video room trying to pick up little nuances of our opponent and there's a certain system that's been used for in college and in the pros and you always hear players and coaches and owners and pretty much everybody on complaining about how the system is and how it's being used and that was kind of my interest in saying hey we spend so much time on it why isn't the system that we're using shouldn't be a little bit better or should have some kind of qualities that it doesn't have and that's when I started doing last uh my, my last semester at at columbia so without getting into some of the double secret details do you want to talk a little bit about what your project was and let's talk a little bit about tech and sports before we get to nfl in germany um yeah i mean pretty much what what right now you have a system that you look at all the different kind of formations and a lot of that stuff have to be sorted out manually for either the players or the coaches to go through the plays and look um, you know, there's an I formation, got simple, I don't know how, how in-depth we want to get in the playbook mm-hmm. here, but there are certain formations, and we look at all formations with down and distances, but there's always a person behind that who has to either tag the certain clips so it can be sorted, or it has to be manually sorted. But now with um, AI, it should be a lot easier way that actually the camera itself can pick up the plays, sorts it automatically, and then overlays it with a playbook. So there's not only... A kind of printed out version of the playbook and then you look at the place so it's all a little bit more interactive which actually helps you learn and then know the playbook better as well great um so i mentioned nfl germany you obviously came from germany 
you played for a little bit in uh, with the Patriots after the Giants with Sebastian Vollmer. Yes. Uh, another German-born NFL player. You guys the only two, correct, still to date? Uh, no, uh, we had a, f a few more after. After this, we actually had a first-rounder from Florida State, Bjorn okay. Werner. Mm. He was there. Um, he was in the NFL. He had, he had injuries, so he was only playing for three years. And now we actually had a German, Mark Ziocha, uh, number 53, I think, from the San Francisco 49ers. Did he plays, play in the Super Bowl? Plays primarily oh, wow. special teams, played in the that. Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, he's 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 half American, half German. So sometimes I guess he gets a little less of the full German attention. Mm. Um, but yeah, he was actually playing the Super Bowl. But since the 49ers lost, Sebastian, my friend and work colleague, mm. is still the only and two-time Super Bowl champion we have. We have so Germany. far. Yeah, so far. So let's talk about the work. Um, one of the things that that you've been heavily involved with is the expansion of brand NFL into Europe, specifically in Germany. You and Sebastian became the voices of, of the NFL in Germany on DAZN and working with the NFL. Uh, tell us how that came about, and especially this last year, what it was like to spend, I think you told me, 22 trips to Miami yes. for Monday Night Football. Yeah, um, yeah, Monday Night Football, the players, and then the Super Bowl as well. So the NFL approached us because they don't have too many former players from Germany to pick to choose from, as, mm. as you mentioned, and... Sebastian being on the field by far the most accomplished, having won the Super Bowl twice. It kind of started out of uh, the Patriots making a very strong push for Germany and also I think having me and Sebastian there in the building for a little bit or me for a little bit, Sebastian for a long time, that the preseason rights lay within the teams and the Patriots wanted to then stream or broadcast their preseason games to Germany. Sebastian and I started three years ago, um, always at all four preseason games, then last year... for the Working for the Patriots. For the Patriots. Right. So we were hired by the Patriots, broadcasting. The games are usually at 7.30 at night here on the East Coast. So 1, 1.30 in the morning in Germany. Since year one, um, the Patriots have been broadcasting to Mexico and to Germany. or And we had, in the middle of the night, almost double the listeners or viewers that Mexico had with this pretty much wow. no time difference at all. And... That expanded in year two. We created some more content around that. Some fun clips came out at Sebastian teaching, for example, Tom Brady German. Mm. Um, and then we wanted to just introduce the Patriots more to the German market because uh, sometimes what gets lost is actually all the little nuances and differences that go within the teams. So the Patriots are just from a culture a lot different, for example, than the New York Giants. Not even the mascot, but even the people in New England are different than New Yorkers or right. people who live in the tri-state area. And I think that's also important to portray to maybe a new fan base in Germany because then you can pick and choose kind of, hey, this team maybe wasn't on my radar, but from from my personality, maybe this team fits to me really well how they are. And we kind of wanted to show that to the fan in Germany. And then we did a little series with the Patriots after the preseason kind of showing the worst seat in the house, like 300 level. Kind of like a Men in Blazers type. Yeah, the best seat yeah. in the house where we were in the 50-yard line in a, in a luxury box and then just introducing some different players and shot, shot some content with them. Um, the same year, we also established a connection between the Patriots and the free-to-read rights holder in Germany. And actually, me and Sebastian broadcasted the first regular season game live from the U.S. That was from Gillette Stadium last year. Continued that this year where we did the Kansas City against Patriots game, got a great game, saw actually the Patriots lose mm -hmm. in Foxborough, which doesn't happen a lot. 
And yeah, the Patriots are very much in the forefront with all this, but obviously the NFL as well recognizes the possibility or the potential of the German market. And I think especially now with the new CBA coming, the push is only going to get greater. And yeah, truly NFL sees Germany as a very top priority market outside the U.S. When you are um, back in Germany, do you see a marked difference in people being a little bit more interested? Do you walking down a street and suddenly you'll see somebody with a Chiefs hat on or something like that? Have you seen kind of the anecdotal stories that, that has watched the NFL grow in Germany? 100%. So you see mm -hmm. not only merchant. I mean, it starts for me from even a personal experience. Even during my playing times, I would say I was less popular or known in Germany than I'm, I'm right now just by my engagement being more in television or, you know, just the sport being more and more popular. So obviously the NFL thought the same thing. What's What kind of worked for us in the past? And the way you get more eyeballs in Germany on this is because you have so-called local heroes. That's why the NFL yep. started NFL Academy in London, where you have players from all over Europe who kind of they're trying to groom, maybe don't can play, who can play college right away. And that's kind of how it started because maybe you don't have the big rights holders right away who get attention, but if I, for example, score a touchdown, just random example, uh, in the NFL as the first German, I'm all of a sudden on the newspaper in Germany. Sebastian with the Super Bowl accomplishments. Not even your only your rights holders, but overall other media outlets will cover it, create more buzz, and that funnels people to then the rights holders and then hopefully to a fan. And um, talk a little bit about the Monday Night Football experience with DAZN this year, which was a first. Yep. Uh, how did that play out, and what was it like doing games from Miami versus actually going on site? So we we did work for Free TV before and for DAZN as well, as Sebastian is that. And what in Germany is not common that you actually have two commentators like there is in America. You hmm. only have for one property, you have two commentators people get used to when they come. And Sebastian and I, having done this for the Patriots, we kind of said, hey, we would like to do that as well kind of throughout the season. So after our uh, preseason gig with the Patriots was over, we planned with the zone, why don't we have one property? And that was, we picked Monday Night Football because that was so far the, the least shown or most undervalued one that they have. And then we thought, hey, we can, why don't we, the two of us broadcast every Monday together for all the season? We didn't have the capabilities to do it out of New York, but they had a studio in Miami, um, even had nothing to do with the Super Bowl being played there or not. Mm. It's just how it happened. And yeah, it's better than like Omaha or some other place. I was not mad about it, there, right. especially during yeah. football season. Sometimes yeah. in New York, it can get a little, mm. a little cold. Uh, so flying down there every Monday, broadcasting Monday Night Football, the two of us also as two former players, we kind of shared the responsibilities of commentary and play-by-play. -play. Did so you do play-by-play? -play? I did more play-by-play. -play. to listen to that. And uh, Sebastian so. was like more the, the color mm -hmm. guy. Mm -hmm. But I think just we both grew up in Germany as football fans and as completely outsiders to the sports. So that's why it helps, I think, to explain a new audience kind of how we felt, but with maybe not 100% every stat and every fumble and every catch that player has ever made but more how does it really feel to be one of those guys so in, it's a conversation in the locker room yeah it's play. a lot more of a conversation mm -hmm. which other viewers maybe don't like because we drift off sometimes on the actual play-by-play -play and we should stay closer at the game but we are different we are not learned broadcasters we're former players and actually we we had over a 40 percent increase 
in, wow. in viewership uh, from usually Monday Night Football. And now um, after this, Monday Night Football, we also broadcasted the entire playoffs. And now the Super Bowl, which was the first time The Zone actually had a studio production outside of uh, Germany. So or any of their properties, and you did, and you did some work for the Pro Bowl as well, correct? So before that, uh, that was one part of my NFL engagement. So the NFL started a flag football initiative in Germany as well, uh, which was kicked off by Sebastian uh, last August, before the season started, where he went to Hamburg to a bunch of schools there and yeah, kicked off the flag football teams and. They created an all-star team out of all these kids who were playing, and they invited them for the first time to the Pro Bowl in Orlando this year, where they competed against some of the other American kids. from kids. Germany. Yeah, kids from Germany. They mm. were actually flown in by the NFL, which is an unbelievable experience for a bunch of eighth graders to not only be with heroes that they have seen on TV, but then actually being in Orlando, playing themselves, playing against Americans. And, I mean, they've been playing flag football for a couple months, and then you have some eighth grader in America who's thrown the perfect spiral <laughs> jumping over people. How did they do? Uh, they lost every game and then we had an, an all-European matchup where we played against England uh, and they won that game which was more friendly but they had so much fun and sure. I think we, we won the hearts and even some of the referees said that's what it's all about because mm. they had so much fun. It, did, it wasn't about the score. It wasn't about winning and losing. It was just being exposed and becoming a fan of the sport. So did you do the uh, Super Bowl from the stadium, from Hard Rock Stadium? Uh, no, we left because we had outside of Hard Rock, we had a bigger studio. Wow. Um, we had some pitch time right before kickoff and we were in the stadium right before kickoff. But then we were right outside in a big studio because we had a big video wall and me and Sebastian as an offense and me as a former defensive lineman walked through certain plays, were able to stand up and describe what we were actually seeing mm -hmm. on the field. And yeah, that was a different product that, for example, Free TV in Germany was offering. So we, we didn't have Free TV and our OTT, the zone, didn't have the exact same product. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to be a little different. That was the, the route we took. So now... Um the Patriots obviously have seen this as an opportunity to make inroads into Germany. I think you mentioned at one point the Steelers and the Chiefs were also looking at things. Have you heard from other teams or is there interest in other teams of trying to invade the German market, especially where there are a lot of German Germans living in specific cities like New York, Chicago? I, so it starts all off with, with people having actually just a social present uh, presence. And... The Pittsburgh Steelers are one that have a German Instagram and Twitter mm. handle, the Steelers, the Vikings, and one of the teams who are there in the forefront, especially with David Tabard being the new owner of the Carolina Panthers, kind of challenging there too the status quo and wow. doing making a strong push for Germany. Uh, met some of their people there at the Super Bowl as well, and they're interested starting off with broadcasting at least one preseason game now to Germany as well, Wow, um, which is not overlapping. Uh, with the Patriots engagement so that's that's one thing and then hopefully maybe having more and more football games not broadcasted out of studios in Germany but actually being on site in the US and I think after the Patriots I think the Panthers might be the next team that has a regular season game out of their stadium broadcasted to Germany. Amazing yep but there is still no talk well maybe preliminary talk about having a game actually in Germany correct? Uh, well, Robert Kraft is once again one of the big supporters of that as well. He is hoping 
for 2021. Mm -hmm. And with the new CBA and thinking about maybe they're adding an extra game and if that extra game could be could be played off-site or make it an international series. I mean, now we're hearing from the Jaguars who are playing back-to-back -back -back home games right. now yeah, yeah. Uh, in London. I mean, it's unbelievable what's kind of happening in the international market. But when you listen to the NFL insiders, Germany just keeps popping up more and more. And if you think about it, we have 100 million German speakers living in Europe between Germany, Austria, and Switzerland, which also what, where we broadcast with the zone. You see, you see the kind of potential that is there and that is, yeah, the, the, the hunger is there for more content, for more games. And I think ultimately you, you have to reward the fans and you have to have yeah, the, the teams on the ground and actually show them a live game as well. So I think it would be good for you to keep less German players in the NFL so you, you and Sebastian have a bigger market. That would probably be a smart thing to do. So. Yeah, but it, it, like I said, it helps, it helps the sport in both yeah. ways. So uh, mm -hmm. we, maybe we have to take ourselves back a little bit out of that. Um, before we talk about all the entrepreneurial stuff that you're doing, uh, what was it like? Tell, walk us through the week of Super Bowl because you were very, very involved starting from Pro Bowl in Orlando and then going to Miami. All the stuff that you did all week. I mean, it's kind of similar what we're trying uh, every time we're introducing also a team. You, we want to set the stage in Miami. It's a fun place to be. I think they did a phenomenal job again the whole Super Bowl week. Just it's it's perfect weather, and you kind of show the whole Miami vibe. You have to transport it somehow. Mm -hmm. So we created a bunch of content from speedboat tours to just so showing ocean drive. That's what we were doing, Tom Cerny, yeah. right? You're nodding. <laughs> we were doing the same thing. Yeah, right. We decided to do a, a football quiz on a speedboat tour, which, believe it or not, it doesn't come out perfectly if you're mm -hmm. trying to speak in a microphone and... Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're going, I don't know how many miles an hour. Uh, but even when we walked through Radio Row, uh, players like Chris Long was just yelling at us, oh, the Germans are here, because <laughs> Sebastian and I are just, mm -hmm. uh, from being in the league, There's we are recognizable just by being German or being, and being us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Size always yeah. helps. And it's just fun how even players react seeing us, and then we talk to some of them, how they even know us, and what, what they feel like, you know, what what they see in the German market. Um, Patrick Mahomes said during an interview that he would love to go to Munich, and that's one of his things on his bucket wow. list. Russell Wilson uh, said in a few clips as well how much he likes his German fans, and the Seahawks being probably the, the second biggest team represented in Germany when mm. it comes to fans. So I think even players, you know, seeing more and more of the potential for themselves to, to go to Germany, visit, and say hi to their fans. Did you find any German fans just randomly, uh, you know, walking down Brickell Avenue saying, and finding you guys? Yeah, um, uh, we had people reach out to us all week long that were in Miami and asked where they could meet us and see us, and we made a lot of that happen That's as well. Great. A lot of random meetups, too, uh, that they say, oh, aren't you Marcus, and aren't you Sebastian? And, yeah, it's an easy vacation spot for, for Germans as well. There were a lot of... European tourists. Yep. I had no idea that the Super Bowl was actually going on. Yeah, maybe sometimes fun. they should have checked the hotel prices yeah, a week yeah, later. Yeah. But, <laughs> but um, I mean, it's it's fun. It's such an international city as well. So it yeah, it was it was fitting for them to be mm -hmm. there as well. And one other thing before we start talking about the other stuff that you're working on, um, you were around the Bayern Munich program that we do at Columbia. Um, you've seen some of the other growth of the Bundesliga. Your impressions on how the Bundesliga and Bayern are doing in terms of fan growth here in the U.S. versus what the NFL is trying to do in Europe? Uh, I mean, I think it's just like the, the international expansion goes both ways. You see German soccer, they're trying to have establish 
a footprint here in the US and vice versa where the NFL is, is looking outside the borders and trying to do the same. I think Bayern Munich, even with this collaboration here, kind of being in the forefront of it all, being the first Bundesliga team who actually had a presence in the US, even before the league itself had a presence, the DFL opened offices, I think two years after Bayern mm -hmm. Munich opened their offices. And now I think we have like five teams uh, out of the Bundesliga with also offices in New York. So um, it's heading this direction. The NFL has an office in, in Great Britain already. And I think for them it's the next step as well to have, for example, an office in Germany. Mm. So it's, we are, we are a global world and a global sports world too. And if, if certain markets in Germany for soccer or in the US for American football is saturated, there's, there's sports fans all around the world, and I think uh, you have to get them what they want. Great. Um, let's talk about you, the entrepreneur. It's funny you mentioned about all these places that you work. Uh, and people always say, oh, you work for yourself until actually in the U.S. when you get come to tax time and you see you get all these 1099s from people and you realize <laughs> you actually work for everybody else. You don't have anything to do with yourself at 27 or 30 1099s that come in. But um, Tell us a little bit about your entrepreneurial background, especially in technology, what you've seen on the science side, uh, without getting into a lot of details, but you know some of the things that you benefited from from, from going to school here in, in, at Columbia. I mean, first of all, I think what, what benefited me is is just being an outsider uh, to the sport, because like, my sports technology is all football-related, because that's my expertise, but also I... I was able to look at it all from an outsider's perspective. And I think if you're so much in, in almost the machinery, how things are constantly being done, it's hard to, to nitpick on certain things that's maybe not running perfectly. And that helped me just to being alert and paying attention to think, certain to things. To think differently. Exactly. I mean, that's to, important. To right. think differently and look outside the box and picking up on certain things that, that are not done correctly. And I think then actually channel, channel, channeling uh, that thought process by not just having that idea and writing a note in my book, but then going back to school and, and, and taking a complete different turn from being a professional athlete to now becoming part of the workforce. And I mean, going to school here just by being around sports interested people who actually are also from the industry. So a lot of people worked, went to college, worked in all kinds of different sports companies, it is a be teams or agencies, etc., and talk to them what kind of experience they had. So they're, they may be lacking the athlete's perspective, but they have a completely different perspective I didn't have. Mm -hmm. And just that communication interaction with some of my uh, yeah, other students helped me as much as people from the industry that you see and talk to on a daily basis who are actually faculty here. And we saw him at the Super Bowl yeah. as well, I think. We saw Chris Lincheski wandering around yeah. with a hat on. I still don't know why he was there, but it was great that he was there. Yeah, so. we saw LJ, we LJ, saw LJ Holmgren, she, she yeah. walked around, Scott uh, Rosner walked around. So mm. it was even it was even funny to see how, how yeah, Columbia is represented at, at the Super Bowl. And I think I think it's great, that's, that's, that's how it should be. Mm. So tell us about some of the things you're working on now. Um, the projects you had talked a lot about entrepreneurial projects especially in, in technology when you were in school and now a lot of them are starting to come around correct uh correct so we are we just got uh, in germany a patent for a quarterback training device um kind of to to not to say too much um mm -hmm. you have the most or some of the most highly paid position in the world and maybe one of the most important positions in sports is the quarterback position and he's the only person that can go out 
shoot a bunch of threes by himself because you only you always need your wide receivers around. Right. And if you talk to quarterbacks like Eli Manning and Tom Brady, what they do a lot of times, they go to Duke or they have their own facilities where they're flying players or even high school talent. But nothing replicates actually the game speed that you have from players and receivers on the field. And another thing is during the season, when you have maybe an injury problem, you can throw a ball a lot more than you can run a perfect out route or, mm-hmm. or different passing routes. And I think that helps with... Uh, either AI or VR or even other ro- robotics that can simulate the same routes and we've been working on this and we're we're building right now a product with a German technology company who does all kind of automatic processes for all kinds of industries and they want to go the sporting route and that's why we connected and we, we try to come up with a with a good solution for a quarterback there. So just curious, I mean, obviously, your time with the Giants was Eli Manning. Sebastian was with Tom Brady. Two pretty decent quarterbacks. Two, um, two Hall of Famers. Two Hall of Famers. Um, and did, did this idea come from listening to them, or was it just something that you kind of saw as an outsider? Um, actually, there's a, there's a German company that creates something similar for soccer. You're standing in the middle of a pitch. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called the football nout. And yeah. they're passing balls to you. And then with noise and visual recognition, you can shoot in certain goals. And actually that German company, young, smart, engineer, uh, football fan, reached out to me what kind of possibilities could be done for quarterbacks. With a limited understanding of the sport, you know, he had his own ideas. And then kind of in our collaboration and, and in talking to people who are actually throw a ball a lot better than I do, mm-hmm. uh, for example, like Eli Manning, you kind of pick on how they're really practicing. So every quarterback starts out with you practice on a still standing target. Next step is you practice on a moving target. The next step is you practice on a moving target and you overlay offenses and defensive plays to actually go through your progressions, know when a player is open and when not. And these are the kind of things that a training device all should be able to do so you're not you, you don't have to sacrifice anything so either you have a receiver that's running but maybe he's running a little slower or you have a standstill target but then you don't have an offense or a defense that laid over it and i think for a position that is so vital to the sport they have to have a better opportunity to practice their craft so marcus two other questions before we let you go one is um other industries or businesses that you're watching, you know, there was a lot of talk, obviously, about mental health and wellness. There was a lot of talk about CBD, uh, obviously, gambling and gaming and esports. Are there businesses that you are kind of watching from an entrepreneur standpoint that you're saying, man, those are the ones that we really think are going to take off globally, not just in the U.S.? I think as you always, as a league, you always have to look at the NBA, what they're doing and mm-hmm. how they're doing, especially when it comes to global expansion. I think they're doing a great job with grassroots projects from China, India, and all over the world. I think that's always the the NBA is a lot. It's it's easier for them to push their players as well as ambassadors because you can actually see them and not like the football players. It's so it's so much harder as a helmet uh, with the helmet on. So that's I think that's one league to mm-hmm. look at. Mm-hmm. And then I think overall from from sports technology, uh, from military companies that are looking at at different camera angles, how to track balls and how to go from a military application to actually sports application and how you can have different applications that can cross over sports or even industries. Um, Actually, two more questions. One is uh, we're here at the beginning of February. The XFL is about to start. Most people will be listening to this as the XFL season's first season is going on. 
your thoughts on another league here, uh, and then um, kind of where you think your your personal brand is going to be going. You're going to stay in broadcasting or go more into the entrepreneurial side down the road. First, the XFL. I mean, the XFL. I think it's. I, th- I think there is a need uh, for a spring league. Uh, the question is always how much can you change the product to make it still interesting for the fans that you're you're trying to cater to. It the 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 alliance of American football that mm. went down in a very unfortunate way showed again, I guess, how hard it is to just compete if you have so many stakeholders that you have to that that make decisions. But I think one big advantage uh, the XFL has is having actually Oliver Luck as their commissioner and who helped create or build the, the NFL Europe in Europe yeah. is so well connected and respected in the US as well. I think that's something that will definitely help them. But overall, you have to have a good product on the field and you you have to play well. And I mean, Germany, you have fans that watch the second Bundesliga, for example. Right. It's, it's everywhere in the world they have a relegation system, soccer leagues that still maybe don't draw 60,000, but a stadium with 30,000 fans is still mm-hmm. can still be very you know valuable and even for the communities and everything around it. So I think if they have a good product and they don't go in too much crazy rule changes or like they did in the past before yep. with their naming rights, I think they learned a lot from that as well. I guess it's you have to see what will really go from it, but I think this time around they'll at least try a lot longer and harder to actually make it work. Great. And then You've now kind of gone into probably careers that I don't know if you actually thought about when you were in, in college, but uh, where do you see yourself going forward? Is it more on the broadcasting side, on the entrepreneurial side, or some kind of combination of both? Yeah, I think even just in the kind of the world we live in right now, it's it's almost fortunate that you don't have to be too niched, uh, that you can do a lot of different stuff, and that, that actually helps you in the future because... Maybe the broadcasting side will fade away one day because I'm, I'm getting older and nobody wants to hear and see me anymore. Um, but to have still your other opportunities and actually knowing teams and creating connections from broadcasting, but then ultimately transforming that into access and connections that you maybe have for certain sports t- tech ideas. So I think mm-hmm. the good thing is I'm able to do both. If at one point I have to focus more on one or the other, that will be seen, but I think for right now, I actually enjoy also having these both of these roles. And then lastly, Marcus, how can people follow you on social media or other places and learn more about kind of what's going on with NFL Germany? Um, I mean, if you speak German, I highly recommend you following all the NFL Deutschland, all their Instagram and Twitter handles. If you don't, uh, I don't know if we have much for you from a German-speaking content. Even though some of the content we created was so funny, for example, with the Seabass School of Germany, Sebastian's thing he did with Tom Brady, I think that's even entertaining for an American mm. to see um, how Tom Brady actually speaks German, uh, and some of the other Patriots players as well, of course. And then, yeah, I have a Twitter, Marcus Kuhn, or Instagram, Marcus Kuhn. I think on one of them there's a V in front of it because somebody else snatched it away from me. Wow. But uh, it's, People it's not, squatting on Marcus it's not Kuhn. because I, I like myself so much. It was just the only thing available. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, once again, Marcus, thanks for coming on The Cusp Show. Uh, it's always interesting to learn about not just our alumni, but people who are doing things in broadcasting and media and technology. Uh, and you're certainly, you know, kind of in a class by yourself with the people who've come through this program. So thanks for joining us again. Yeah, thanks for having me again. Cool. Well, once again, this was The Cusp Show. I'm Joe Favorito for my co-host, Tom Richardson, along with Tom Cerny. We'll see you down the road.